faithful friends who are dear to us gather near to us once more through the years we all will be together if the fates A shining star upon the highest bough, and have yourself a merry little Christmas now. Yourself a merry little Christmas. Let your heart be light. From now on, our troubles will be out of sight. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Make the Yuletide gay. Now on our troubles will be my my mouth's away And here we are as in olden days Happy golden days of your Faithful friends who are dear to us Gather near to us once more The fates allow So hang a shining star upon the highest bough And have yourself a merry little Christmas That's right. That's right. That's how you start a Christmas special. Welcome to the Gnostic Church and Academy of Lord Jesus Christ. I am your teacher of the mysteries, preacher of the heart, his brother, Marty Leeds. And we're back at it. And we wanted to do a little musical introduction there. So I put a quarter in the jukebox that is foundering, and he gave me a little song. So uh, thank you so much to the bass piano man, foundering for killing it and doing something special. I would hire him every week if we had to, uh, if we had the money to do it. So, but anyway, um, thank you all for being here. Merry Christmas Eve. Thank you for taking your time. I know a lot of people are with family and things like that, and so you're taking your time to come to church um, online if it is. Um, and so we appreciate it. Uh, we do service every Sunday at 9 a.m. Central Standard Time. 
And so we're going to do a church service this morning. And we will probably not be live tomorrow. I think we're going to take the next uh, two weeks off just so let, to let everybody know we will be taking the next two weeks off just because we need to get our shit together, as we like to say. We really need to get into our house and um, get things settled. Uh, we're really behind. And so we just need some time off to um, get our ducks in a row and not burn out of our, our, our uh, oil, as we'll talk about today. Uh, so we have some to um, give to others. So that's what we'll be doing the next two weeks. So, and then we'll be back at it. We'll be into back into the uh, finishing the book of Matthew. We're gonna do the Tarot deck. We're I think we're gonna get into the Quran this year. I think um, there's a lot of stuff. I've got a whole list of things that we're gonna cover. So as you know, and beyond that, lots of other projects in the works that um, will happen. So today we're gonna do a Gnostic Christmas special, and we're gonna do the mysticism of Santa Claus. But of course, before we do that, let's do a prayer. Dear God. Everywhere I walk, let it be on your path. Everything I see, let it be through your eyes. Everything I do, let it be your will. For every hardship I face, let me place in it in your hands. Every emotion I feel, let it be your spirit moving in me. Everything I seek, let me find it in your love. My dear God, I thank you for this day. I ask not to know where I'm going, but to only know and feel in the depths of my heart and soul that you are with me, you are guiding me that I am safe in the protection of your loving care. In Jesus' name, I offer myself to you. Amen. And uh, every hardship I face, speaking of face, my face is actually starting to, to heal. And I think I did that prayer last week, but that prayer is really good. So I don't even care. We do that every week. So anyway, um, thank you all. So today we're going to be talking about Santa Claus. That's right. We're going to be uh, celebrating Jesus Christ. And we're going to be talking about, where's my graphic? But we're going to be deconstructing the mysticism, uh, de-occulting, if you will, Santa Claus. And what we're going to find is just exactly what we find with, through the Gnostic perspective, and that's Christ in all things. So a lot, of, a lot of Christians will tell you, it's like, oh, Santa's bad. That's taking away from the reason for the season. And the reason for the season is the birth of Jesus and blah, 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 blah. And um, yes, this is true. We'll talk about that. But what we actually discuss is that when you understand the, what Christ really means, what Christ is really all about, you can find him within all things, all things that are good good and, and beautiful, that is. And one of the things, uh, the legends, the myth of Santa Claus is a beautiful myth. It's one that's it's time-honored and it's, it's really found, um, you know, in the hearts and minds of both young and, and old. And it's, it's uh, we have no idea how old it is, so we're going to deconstruct this whole thing today. So the reason for the season, of course, is axial tilt. That's the reason for the season. Remember that shit? Remember when we used to believe in that sort of crap? That the earth was spinning and it was tilted on its axis and counterclockwise and that the reason for winter was, did you know that aphelion and perihelion is that we're like closer to the sun in winter? According to our ball cosmology, that doesn't make any sense. So we're supposed to be closer to the sun in winter, but because of the axial tilt, it was like, so anyway, this is actually not the reason for the season. As many of you know, the story of Christ, and we're going to see the same thing with Santa Claus today, obviously, because it's a, it's a Christmas thing, is based on cosmology. It's based on the order and pattern that God has put forward. And so I think many people know, you know, a lot of people give credit to um uh, like Acharya S and Zeitgeist for the connection of making, oh, Jesus' representation of, at least in, once again, in one symbolic manifestation of the sun. And, you know, the three days he's in the, you know, dead and rose again and the birth and everything is tied to, of course, the patterns in the sky. You know, the three kings are the Orion's belt and, and that actually points to Sirius, which points to where the sun is going to rise in, in the east on Christmas, that sort of thing. So we know that all of this stuff is tied to cosmology. It's tied to astrology, if you will, or horology. Um, of course, the study of time. And so one of the things um, 
we're going to see today was one of the reasons that, of course, Santa, this is why we're celebrating Santa Claus, right? That's basically a recapitulation, um, as is mo many of these things, of, of, of the great story that is within all of us is really what it is. That's what it is. It's a recapitulation of the Christ myth is what Santa Claus is. And we'll show that today. So, of course, we know that Jesus, you know, um, was, bo was born on the cross, died on the cross. And what do we mean? Because the cross is represented by this, the summer and the winter and the autumn and the spring, the solstices and equinoxes. I think we all know this. Um, more, a lot of people do not know that during this time, though, this is something I pointed out last year when we did um, the uh, A Cosmic Christmas, I think is what it was called, um, that when you look to the north and you look to the south, actually what you see is crosses on the horizon during this time as well. So if you look to the north, what you're going to see rising just as, you know, the sunrise in on Christmas, on December 20, 20, 24th, 25th, what you're going to see in the sky is the northern cross, that's Cygnus, I've got that highlighted or circled on, on top there, rising, the northern cross rising, and then you turn to the south and what are you going to see? You're going to see the southern cross rising, okay? And so, um, or that, you know, in the sky, if you will. So you're going to see crosses everywhere. You're going to be on the cross, solstices and equinoxes, winter solstices, of course. You look to the north, you're going to find the northern cross. You look to the south, you're going to find a southern cross. So hence why there's all of these, of course, the cross. And there, and there it is. So there's the actual reason for the season, not axial tilt. It's the pattern of the sun. And that, and that pattern ultimately talks about a pattern of death and rebirth that happens within you. The microcosm reflects the macrocosm. I think we all understand this now. We're Gnostics. We understand this. So we're going to understand this whole thing through the myth and legend of Santa Claus. Okay? And so what we're going to talk about today is this, this fat old bastard. This, this fat old guy here. Uh, Santa. And, of course, this is generally what Santa has come to look like now. He's almost always wearing red and white. He's got a big, you know, he looks like an old godly, fatherly sort of character. Like just your classic godfather, you know, the, the not godfather as in like the, you know, the movies, but the, like the father, god, you know, patron looking over creation kind of character. That's what he looks like. Okay, and so we're gonna we're gonna deconstruct this old fat bastard here today. So um, and everybody, as far as I know, growing up, like once again, he's adored by both, you know, uh, children and adults alike. Like every, I still like Santa Claus, right? You know, and I understand that he's quote unquote not real, and we'll talk about that today. Santa Claus is actually very real. So. Let's do a little legend of where did Santa Claus come from. Um, this will just be a little backstory, and then we'll get into the nitty-gritty of it. So uh, who is, where does Santa Claus come from? Where's this legend, this myth? The origins of Sinterklaas can be found in the stories of St. Nicholas. <laughs> Excuse me. A 14th century Greek bishop from Myrna. Um, so this is allegedly where it comes from. Of course, when we talk about history, we all know it's a big question mark, but, you know, we're, we're going to do our due diligence, at least go through what they say where he comes from. Um, and so this is allegedly from St. Nick. And allegedly he resurrected three youths. This is according to one story, but Santa Claus res resurrected three youths after they'd been murdered and pickled in a barrel by an innkeeper. I wonder who the innkeeper was. I wonder if he was a merchant. Anyway, we're not going to talk about that today. So three youths, why three? Why resurrected? You can see the themes that are playing even way back in the day with Santa Claus. Why three? Why resurrected? The legend of Santa Claus can be traced back hundreds of years, if not thousands as far as, as we know, to uh, a monk named St. Nicholas. It is believed that St. Nicholas was born around Myrna once again, Turkey, and this is what St. Nicholas, this looks like the Orthodox. Of course, you know, when, when you look at these traditions, a lot of these traditions when it comes to like apostolic succession and stuff like that, they all make claims to be like, this was our dude, Santa Claus comes from us. Everybody was trying to take possession of this stuff. And that's really the biggest issue is people that... Um, 
possession. That's really what it is. You try to possess, you try to own things. You try to say, my, my, mine. This is one of the biggest issues. Really what this story is, is a legend for all of us. It's universal. Are you looking at me because you love me or am I, did, did I do something wrong? Okay, no. My, life, my wife loves me. That's amazing. <laughs> After eight years. Now firmly his own mythological figure, Santa was originally inspired by the fourth century Greek bishop once again, this uh, St. Nicholas of Myrna. And um, <clears throat> one of the most popular stories involves him anonymously, anonymously throwing dowry money into the house of three impoverished sisters. Once again, there's three. Why three? So you can see the elements are all the same in the story. Okay, he became this uh, patron saint of children. His feast day is celebrated on December 6th, and that sort of thing. So this is the original German, uh, Sinterklaas was his name. St. Nicholas became Sinterklaas, a skinny elderly man. I don't know how he got fat. Apparently started eating processed foods. With flowing white hair and beard dressed in red, fur-trimmed robes, and a mitre of a bishop. With the mitre, a mitre hat. You guys know what the mitre of the bishop hat is, right? It's that, it's that fish-like hat that the bishops wear in like, the Catholic Church and stuff like that. It's called a mitre. It's called a miter. What is a miter? Well, if you guys do any construction or carpentry, it's a miter box. It's the thing that gives you 30, 45, or 60, 90 degree angles, right? And so you can see a lot of this stuff is overlapping and pointing right to what? Carpentry. Who was a carpenter? Who was born on January or December 25th? We get it, right? Um, of course, he was on a fast white horse who was capable of flight. Wait a second, you mean like Pegasus? We've already covered this stuff. I'm not even going to get into any of that today. Bearing a large red book with names of all the good little girls and boys. Okay, so basically this is where this comes from. And, and um, you know, he's, he was on a flying horse back in the day. That became reindeer. Here's another, um, of course, I can't read German, but there it is. There's Sinterklaas. And... Um, you know, so this has been around a long time. Father Christmas is what Santa Claus has become known as. And of course, when we talk about that's actually Santa Claus is going to be a representation of God Almighty. He even looks like an old bearded white man, God in the heavens that's looking down on everybody and judging everybody, right? Yes, I think we get this. Father Christmas is the English personification of Christmas, now synonymous with Santa Claus. Um, and of course, it's like folklore roots and things like that. And it was really popularized um, by a lot of a lot of American publishers, whatever. But Charles Dickens, of course, which was, um, you know, he he did the, the in the the Scrooge series. He was the the ghost of Christmas Present, actually. Um, so he was the I think he was the third visitor, actually. So and he was the ghost of Christmas Present. He was the presents. He was bringing the presents. So so we're going to deconstruct old this fat old bastard today who shakes his belly like a bowl full of jelly. And how are we going to do this? We're going to do this through um, the book that actually made. This whole correlation, very, very popular, but it's not the only place that you can find this, but it's in the book called God, Man, the Word Made Flesh, Dr. Um, George Carey and Inez Perry. And this is a very, very good book. Um, I would highly recommend this book. So really, once again, what I'm going to say today, and I've said this a lot um, over the years, is that what we're going to be presenting today is completely unoriginal. Marty, as I like to say, Marty is one of the most unoriginal people on the internet. Everything that I teach and preach, everything I talk about is not, it's not original. It's not like from me. It's basically stuff that you will find within the mystic tradition, within the Gnostic tradition, if you do your due diligence and you actually study the shit. If you actually just read and take what these people say seriously, you're going to find out that Marty doesn't say, you know, yes, there might be some things that are new and unique to our time. I'll say that. So I guess pat on my back there a little bit. But at the end of the day, I don't do anything original, nothing. 
In fact, this is a picture of me, uh, Marty, basking in his unoriginality right there. Okay, so, so and in fact, this is, um, this is J Jim Carrey, of all people, talking about what we're going to be discussing today. Let's, this is about a 45-second clip. There's 33 vertebrates in your spine. There's 33 years in the life of Jesus. Jesus there is a, a substance or liquid that comes from your medulla. This substance comes from your medulla, makes the tr trip down your spine to your sacrum, which is the Christ coming down into human form. And if you don't squander that essence, that sexual essence, it ascends again and goes back up to heaven which is your thing. It's also the story of Santa Claus. Why he comes down the chimney is because this, this juice or this whatever substance actually passes what's called the claustrum, which is where they got Santa Claus. So it goes down what the chimney the and back fuck? up the chimney. It's <laughs> a good way to end that clip. Norm MacDonald being like, what the fuck? Anyway, so yes, this is well, this is well known, even in some Hollywood circles. And we're going to read right from um, the book today, and we're just going to deconstruct every bit of this. We're going to look at the colors. We're going to look at the astrology. We're going to look at the physiognomy. We're going to look at every bit of it, okay? And we're going to show you that exactly what um, God, Man, Word, Made Flesh is talking about is absolutely what the Santa Claus story is all about. And we'll get into a lot of detail today, so strap in. All right, all down, this is, once again, page, I think this uh, first chapter, of, or not the first chapter of with the Santa Claus in the book. All down the ages, there have been stories of fairies, gnomes, mermaids, maids, and fabled characters galore. Let me first say this. Whenever you see fairies, gnomes, mermaids, elves, like, G like um, um, Santa Claus and his elves, that immediately tells you that you're in the land of mysticism. You're in the land of metaphysicality. You're not in the land of anything physical. So one of the great stories that Santa Claus is actually bringing to children in the way that it does, in the mythological uh, you know, way that it does, is actually bringing you the notion and understanding of the, 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 um, the metaphysics of this world. Okay, the, hence his elves that are making all the toys. The ancient Norsemen, Dutch, Huns, and all the Oriental races possess literature prolific with allegories, parables, and fables built around the wonders and physical uh, and chemical operations of the human body. And this is absolutely what we found and we'll see again when we look at the stories of the Bible. All of these things have a representation above in the stars and a representation below within the physical and chemical operations of the human body. We just saw this, and we'll see it again last chapter that we did in Matthew. The birth of the monthly seed is the basis of the mother goose stories and similar tales in all lands. And we'll, we'll talk about that monthly seed, what that is. Santa Claus, or Saint Nicholas, is the patron saint of seafarers, virgins, and children, is the bearer of gifts to children on Christmas Eve, and that's how we well know him. Of all festivals celebrated all over the known world that held in honor of Santa Claus ranks as the first in the hearts of all humanity, old as well as young. This is still... Even if like you're not a Christian or you're not even religious, you'll still be like, I love my Santa Claus. Even if you're atheist, they'll still take their children a lot of times to the mall and sit on Santa's lap because it's still in the minds of children and in adults. They, we, there's still a, we have an adoration for it. And this itself is a most significant fact. Amen. It is time that the truth in regard to this age-long custom be made known to the world. Time that its real and true significance be understood, then it will be truly celebrated. We can actually truly celebrate Santa Claus, uh, for it will have become an inward process, 
those, those, those chemical processes within, as well as an outward observation of the world around you and our cosmology. Parents from time immemorial have explained to their children that the presents which they found in their stockings when they jumped eagerly from their beds in the morning were placed there by a mysterious person named Santa Claus. No one saw him come, no one saw him leave, but he left an unmistakable evidence of his visit. What are we saying? No one saw him come, no one saw him leave, he was a mysterious person, no one's seen it, but he exists. Santa Claus is metaphysical. And we, excuse me. Santa Claus is metaphysical. So, so in, in this sense, is he real? Absolutely. Santa Claus is absolutely real in the metaphysical sense. Does that mean there's a physical being that lives in the North Pole and has a bunch of elves and flying reindeer? No, that's not what it means. That's not what it's meant to mean. Okay? And so that's the first thing we have to establish. Some children may ask questions in regard to this mysterious person like this, and this actually gets children, this is supposed to get children into asking the questions like, what, why is this? Why is there this thing, Santa Claus? Where did it come from? A lot of people will just come to, just like they do with religion, ah, it's just a bunch of bullshit. It's just a bunch of old people that were trying to make sense of some things, so they threw a bunch of myths together because they were idiots. Uh-uh. Uh-uh, that's the furthest from the truth. That's what people would have a, that have a, a lack of imagination and understanding mysticism and especially esoterica, will, will, the conclusions that they come to. All this religion is just a bunch of nonsense, all the myths and no. Further, it's the, it's the highest wisdom you can ap absolutely obtain here on earth. Um, some children may ask the questions in regard to this mysterious person and when they become too insistent, the ingenuity of parents is sorely taxed to give satisfactory answers because the parents don't know. They don't understand it themselves. There comes a time, however, when they must have that Santa Claus myth explained to them, and it is then that their deep childlike trust and confidence in their parents receives its first shock. It's the first time when you realize it's like, oh, what, why are my parents lying to me? Why do they do this? What's going on? You start asking questions about these things. Thereafter, they commence to doubt their parents, to question their veracity, and many tears have been shed because, after all, Santa was not really a true, truly a person. So why is this legend, why is this myth embedded in our culture, and why is it continued to be promulgated in, with, within children? Well, the next line tells you, there is a Santa Claus. It is a physiological fact, and it does secrete the most holy and wonderful gift or substance in the body of every individual. Those who understand it, who receive it in the right spirit have become as little children. And this is exactly what we talk about when we talk about Gnosticism. Getting back to that place where you look at the world and you can actually see the world and the, the, the looking around the world and actually see the meaning of it, that there's this sacred meaning, that everything has a, you know, there's a purpose to everything and that you be, it, every, there's a sense of wonder again in the world. And that's that place that we uh, honestly all want to get back to. And that is, there's becoming as little children, as above, so below, as in the microcosm, as the universe, as the macrocosm, man. Can anyone think for one moment? Think about this. Can anyone think, do you want to shut that off? Thank you. Can anyone think for one moment that the parables, fables, allegories, and myths that have come down to us through the ages have no basic foundation? The idea that we look at these ancient religions and these ancient myths and we come to the conclusion that, it's, oh, there's just nothing there. There's no foundation. That's ridiculous. Um, of course, these parables, these fables, the allegories, these legends, they all have a deep, deep meaning. And we need to actually seek them out. Um, that's our job. Uh, they, as well as the fast days and the feast days, are founded on great esoteric truths. Otherwise, they would have ceased to be. The great hierarchy that rules the universe, God himself, sees to it that nothing is forgotten that needs to be remembered. 
That's a really important point. It's understanding that God is actually in control of this universe, actually runs things, has a hand in it, is looking over his creation. And in the way that he works, in the mysterious ways that he works, he's going to make sure that the human beings have whatever it is they need down here. Every story that needs to you know, be maintained and every truth that needs to be maintained will be maintained some way or another. And, and he is going to make sure of it. The great hierarchy that rules the universe is going to make sure that nothing's forgotten. Santa Claus is one of those things. Santa Claus or St. Claus is derived from the same root as the claustrum, from which means to cloister, cloister is also derived. Claustrum means a barrier, a covered place, a seclusion. Cloister is referred to as a place of seclusion, and more specifically as a place of seclusion for something holy, something dedicated to divinity. And of course, this is your claustrum, and hence your, hence your saint or your Santa, your Santa claustrum. It's your claustrum. It's a thin layer of gray matter in each cerebral hemisphere between the lentiform nucleus and the insula, it doesn't really matter, but we'll see right there that basically this is in your Aries. It's in your polaries. It's in your head. And this is ultimately where the oil will actually go down through this, what we'll, what we'll see is this, the sacred spinal, the, the spinal fluid um, that goes down through, that goes down the chimney, as we'll see, as they, as they will explain. So there, um, there is a Santa Claus or claustrum within the cerebrum, and whoever gave it that name knew why they did so. So, you know, whoever basically came up with this myth originally knew what they were doing, just like as we understand with the Bible now. You know, there's, there, whoever wrote that knew exactly, exactly what they were doing. The structure, the suture of the skull is the point where the bones meet. We can very easily see that this place on the head of the infant's as the sections are not then drawn closely together and the vibrations of the brain can be seen and felt. When a child is an infant, young, you notice they have a soft head. It's a soft, of course, to get through the birth canal and stuff like that. But then it's actually soft in the area where this secret place is, if you will. In Sanskrit, this is called the door of Brahma, of course, the Brahma. Brahma, which is what? It's the God. It's the door of God. For it is the aperture through which the ego or spirit leaves the body. It is also the chimney of Santa Claus, and this is where we'll get into some of the esoteric here. The vertebrae as a whole is called the stick of Brahm. So here we have the door or the, the, if you will, the gateway, if you will, to God, and then you have the stick of God, which is what? Your spinal column, which is what this whole thing is based on, okay? The vertebrae as a whole is called the stick of Brahm, Brahma, stick of God. Directly underneath the door of Brahm is a triangular-shaped bone named in physiology the Isle of Rail. This is the place where John, was he, when he looked back and saw the wonderful vision of the regenerated man at the Isle of Patmos. The island is the central lobe of the cerebrum and is also called the pole. Hence, the island of Ra, Rail excuse me, is the north pole of the body and is as well known the imperishable sacred lands. Now, this is exactly what we always talk about. We've gone through story after story of the Bible and all of these different ways and shown specifically how every single one of these, or basically every single one, points to this physiological, you know, chemical process that, go, that, of, that leads to enlightenment or deification, if you will, Christhood within the human being. And of course, where does that happen? In the Aries, in the Arose, in the Arise, in the Lamb, in the Ram of God, in the head. And this pole, of course, as we know, is the pole Aries. It's the pole Aries. It's the pole Aries. It's the pole Aries. So just as the ancient myths say, as these ancient Gnostics and, you know, 
mythicists and all this have repeatedly told us that we reflect the entire thing. Now, what, what these ancient mystics are going on to say that even the, the, the terms of the body are, are named appropriately to reflect this. So here we have the Polaris, and this is, of course, your Polaris. And this is exactly where we want to get to. We'll just read a little bit more, and then we'll get into this. So uh, in Santi's and um, let's let's just say this. Oh yeah, in Santi's anatomy of the brain and spinal cord, we find that this island is situated in the medial wall of the lateral fissure of the cerebrum, between the frontal, parietal, and temporal lobes, whose growth after the fifth month in utero, gra in utero gradually covers it over. At the end of the first year of extra uterine life, out of, out of the uterus, of course, it is entirely concealed by temporal, parietal, and frontal parts of the operculum. Uh, I don't know how you say that. The cover or the lid. In other words, we see that God, Mother Nature herself, has taken great pains to conceal this sacred center. So even in the growth of in the uterus, we see what, you know, what's happening there. Okay? And so underneath this island... And directly in line with the optic thalamus, which is a, your third eye, lies the claustrum, lies that veil of God, that doorway of Brahman, if you will. But separated from it are three other bodies. So, so let's, let's, uh, let's talk about this. The claustrum is a thin sheet of isolated gray matter. The Santa claustrum. And it says, it is from this claustrum that contains a yellow substance within its outer grayish exterior that the wonderful priceless oil is formed that flows down in the olvary whatever, descending from the rubro spinal tract from the reticular formation in the pons and medulla to the lateral column of the spinal cord. So in other words, it, you could just go right to medical journals and they're going to tell you that in, in so many different words, of course, that this is exactly what's happening within you. It terminates in the gray matter of the spinal column, probably giving all collaterals to corresponding nuclei in the brain stem. This is the oil, the precious gift which the Bible speaks, thou anointest my head with oil. Of course, we know that like in, in Jewish, right, they, in, the, in the Jewish myth, they have what? There was like the, 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 the candelabra, the menorah that lit for, we only had enough oil for one day, but then it lit for nine or whatever it was, right? What is that? It's a reflection of this exact same thing. Anytime you see you'll, you, anytime you see um, these myths that have oil in it, that sort of stuff, this is what it's talking about. Of course, what is the oil? We already know this. It's Christ. It's that's literally what Christ means. It means an unction, uh, excuse me, unction, anointing, to anoint. It means oil. Um, and uh, you can actually here, here's chrism. Here's the oil. Here, there's Christ, the anointed, synonymous with, and translating to the Greek Messiah. Chrysum means an oil mingled with balm, a sacred ointment consecrated and used in church rites. The ol and this it's literally oil comes from olive, because that's usually where they got olive or they got the oil that's um, like cooking oil and that sort of stuff or whatever. Olive oil, and so we can see very much this is exactly what it's talking about, and this is completely missed and even denounced by most Christians, and yet it's absolutely within the etymology of the terms used. The fluid oil or marrow which flows down the spinal cord comes from the upper brain, the creator or father, the most high, and is known in physiology as the ovum or generative seed. And this is the seed that goes, if you will, in symbolic terms, that goes down into your spinal column and goes up and, and gives you that regeneration or the rebirth. It, um, it's the seed, that life essence, which creates the human form of corruptible flesh. In Greek, from the New Testament, we, we, it was translated, this marrow is called Christ, which is the Greek word for oil. <clears throat> this is exactly what we talked about 
in the last chapter of Matthew. And we'll talk about it when we do the next chapter. Matthew, was it 26, I think we're on? We'll get right back into this because there's a woman that comes and anoints Christ with this alabaster box. It's a white, it's a white box. It's a white cube with an oil in it. You see where we're going with this? So there's your oil, there's your your ten virgins. And what was there? What was the great parable with these ten virgins? Five of them are wise, five of them are nice, and five of them were naughty. Five of them were foolish. And the nice ones or the wise ones, what they kept their oil and then they went in to the marriage with Christ. And they, 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 you know, they consecrated that holy marriage, the holy union, the sacred marriage, the alchemical wedding is what they did. And five of them did not. What are they talking about? Five of them did the spiritual work that is required of them on earth, and five of them did not. This is exactly what the last chapter was all about. Okay? Now, when it comes to this oil going down and up your spinal column and that sort of stuff, this is your physiological process. It just just happens. You have to, in this sense, inject that process with your morality and your light and your love and your understanding and your knowledge and your charity and your faith and your hope and all of that sort of stuff. But this general thing is, as I've said, we've, we've heard it from Jim Carrey. This is not, this is, once again, Marty being completely unoriginal. This comes from Lisa Risingberry. She used to follow uh, the channel, I believe. So, Santa Claus is an allegory about the kundalini fire of the Holy Spirit. The chimney is the spine and the fire is the kundalini energy that is held at the base. The descent of Santa from the North Pole, the crown chakra, down the chimney and back up again is what, is what occurs as the result of inner alchemy. And that's what alchemy really is all about. It's an inner work. It's the great work. It's the hydros camels, which we'll talk about. Santa Claus or St. Klaus is derived from the same root as claustrum oil. That is the holy oil held in the lamp of your body that rises up the light of the fire of kundalini. And of course, when you use the word kundalini to a lot of like literalists and fundamentalists, they freak out because that's an Eastern term and that's some Eastern shit. No, 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 it's universal. Stop. Stop with your divisions. You're not helping anything. Each time Santa comes back up the chimney of your spine, he leaves different presents which come in the form of spiritual gifts and elevated consciousness, and that's exactly what it is. That's what enlightenment is really all about, elevating your consciousness so that you can see the world, so you can see the world that God actually made and not the world that was brought to you by a bunch of lies. That's an inner work, and it takes a lot of work, by the way. Okay? Santa Claus brings his gifts when the Christ mass is celebrated. The mass is lifted, if you will. The mass, the oil, is lifted. And so we can absolutely see that this is just, okay, so here we have this metaphysical being that acts as God, who's going, you know, on Christmas is going around rooftop to rooftop, think about that, head to head, if you will, going down the chimney of your spinal column to where? Through the fireplace, which that doesn't make any sense. Once again, that's part of the myth that should make you immediately question things like, wait, isn't it going to be hot? Isn't he going to burn himself? Well, he does, he's not going to burn himself because he's metaphysical. He's not physical, Okay. So then we have the chimney, the going down, Santa Claus representing that oil from the claustrum, if you, right through the claustrum, going down, and then right what? Leaving gifts, leaving the gifts, and then going right back up. And he does all of this in a span of basically he's timeless, right? Because when you're, when you're a child, you're like, well, how does Santa get to every house in time and then get, it doesn't make any sense. He's got to visit all those children. No, it doesn't make any sense physically. Metaphysically, it makes perfect sense. Because God is everywhere at once, omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent. This is just a reflection of that absolute fact. There's lots of these, you'll, you know, lots of people, you know, this is just a repeating of exactly what was, you know, just written. It's that, it's that fire that goes down your spinal column. Now, 
it's interesting because the spinal column, they even say it's the sacred secret, right? This is the sacred secret. And even um, uh, uh, God, man, the word made flesh talks about it. Of course, you secrete. This is exactly what you're doing. So there's that, that um, cerebral spinal fluid that it literally like coats your brain. It's literally like um, washes or like bathes your brain, if you will. And it goes up and down the spinal column and it sends information. As the colorless fluid goes around your brain and spinal cord, it cushions these organs, picks up needed supplies from your blood and gets rid of waste products from your brain cells. It absolutely has a physiological function, but of course there is what? The metaphysiological function. And that is to bring you to God, to bring you to enlightenment, to bring you back home to the north, if you will. This, the, this whole thing to show, you know, and we, we've talked about this many times before, but it's a good review because if you're talking about that chimney that, that, that leads to the fireplace, remember, the fireplace, that's important, goes uh, you know, up, down the chimney and back up, that sort of thing, that chimney, that, that stick of Brahm is what? Of course, it's your vertebrae. And there's 32 and 33 bones in your vertebrae. This, this is why I always harped on people when pe people saw the number 33 and they're immediately like, see Masons, this is like, no, see you. No, see Christ. How about that? That's what you should actually see when you see that number. Not that Masonry is bad, of course. I'm pro-Masonry, as you know. But there's your 32 and 33 bones in your spinal column. So hence where these numbers come from. This is your axis and your atlas bone. This is spinal cord. There's two ways that you can basically, you know, it, it, like medical terminology in which you can actually call your spinal column. It's either called a spinal cord or a spinal column. Here's the gematria total of those two terms. Spinal cord, read it and weep. What does it say? 32. Here's spinal column, 33. They're, they're called both in medical journals, modern medical journals, that, that at least that I've seen. And there's 32 and 33 bones. That Santa in the claustrum and the oil, the sacred oil of the chrism, goes up and down into that chimney. This is also why when we talk about what is that oil, what is Christ, he is the sun. Where, when is this all happening? It's all based on what? Cosmology. It's all based on cosmology. It's all based on what's the sun doing right now? Well, the days are getting longer. They're going to start getting longer. The sun goes down and down. The days get shorter and shorter and shorter and shorter. And all of a sudden, we got December, that solstice, right? And then we got the three days where the sun stands still. And next thing you know, we got more light. And that absolutely represents the physiological process of you. That oil goes down and down and down and down and down and down. And it finally gets to the bottom. And oh, it's got to shoot back up because what? Now, Christ is going to bring light into your life, into your vessel, and into the world itself. Why is this important? Because it's all based on the patterns of the Son, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, the Son, the Son of God. This is the verse, Luke 3.23, that actually tells you how old, Jesus won when, how old Jesus was when he died and resurrected. And it's either 32 or 33 years. They don't, they're not specific in the Bible. It's either 32 or 33 years. And Jesus himself began to be about 30 years of age and his ministry lasted three years. I know this is a review for some people, but that, that means he was about, he was, began to be about 30 years of age. That means he was either 29 or 30, roughly, when he started his ministry. And his ministry lasted three years till he was on the cross. Then, so what is that? 32 or 33 years. Then in that same verse, it says what? He was, the, as was supposed, was supposed, wait, don't we know? Weren't we given, wait a second, weren't we given all of the, the genealogy in Matthew? And then here in Luke, it's like, I think, maybe, what does that tell you? What does it tell you about what you're reading? 
Then it says, the son of Joseph, which was the son of Heli. Heli. He was the son of Heli. I know this is a review, but what is Heli? It's the root word of Helios, which is the son. Santa goes down that spinal column, that chimney, goes all the way to bottom, the bottom to give the gifts. We'll talk about the gifts in just a second here. And what does that represent? What is the process to do this? We all know at this point. How do you do it? Do you do it with your brain? Do you do it with your stupid brain? Do you do it with your sexual organs? No. How do you actually raise the oil? How do you, how do you actually become enlightened? Through your heart. It's heart work. The great work is heart work. That's what it is. You can't be stupid. You can't have nothing upstairs in your brain and be like, I'm just full of heart. No, that's not how it works. You have to be holistic, but it has to be centered in the heart. And hence why, once again, earth is an anagram for art. Earth is an anagram for heart. Excuse me. Why? Because the very place that we're in tells us exactly what we need to do. One word tells us, tells us our, our total um, um, religious or spiritual work. It goes, Santa Claus and the claustrum and the oil goes down the chimney and goes to the fireplace. What's the fireplace? It's called the hearth. It's called the hearth. What is that? You just add an H to heart. Or you just add an H to what? Earth. See that? We just talked about last, the, um, not the last Sunday, but when we did Matthew, uh, what was 25 or 26 or whatever it was, the, the lion or the oil, or the Leo or the Noel. It's the same math. Leo and oil are the same math. 252. Two. If anybody wants to do that math, there it is. <clears throat> L is 2. E is 5. And O is 2. And O is 2. And I is 5. And L is 2. 252. Leo, oil, lion. Noel, 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 no, 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 no. What is that? What are you singing to? You're singing to what? That oil, the sacred heart of Jesus. And that's why Jesus is up. Number one, why he's, notice Jesus is a lot of times wearing red or blue, which is representation of heart. He's also wearing red and white a lot, if you ever notice that. A lot of times he's wearing red and white, like Santa Claus. Let's go back to God, man, the word made flesh. The olives, which contain the oil, are the reservoirs. The relay stations, of course, which furnish the oil for the lamp, the pineal gland. This is the lamb, the lamp. We, once again, we, all, we talked about that. M and, or L-A-M-P, right? L-A-M-B, the lamb, the lamp, the light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. The relay stations, of course, which furnish the oil for the lamp, the pineal gland, at the top of which is the flame or the single eye, right? When the kundalini, the serpent fire that lies concealed within the sacral plexus is awakened, burns up the dross within the spinal cord and reaches the canarium, it sets fire to this oil and thus lights the perpetual lamp which gives the light to the whole house. This is Matthew 6, 22. Uh, Santa Claus is thus the giver of the supreme gift in the human body. He's the, he's the God figure that comes down into your house, through your rooftop, into your chimney, into your heart, and gives what? The oil for the perpetual lamp. It's the greatest gift. It's the gift of enlightenment. It's the gift of the merging and the marrying with Christ. The gold of Afur, the quintessence of richness. Quint, quintessence, quintessence. Quint means five. Quinta, five. The quintessence, that's going to be important. 
A total lack of oil in the body will in itself cause death. Santa Claus brings his gift when the Christ Mass is celebrated. The Greek characters of, that stand for Christ are XPI, and the word itself, Christ, means oil in Greek. The seed is the bread of life, and when anointed with the oil, Christed and crucified becomes the Christ Mass, the bread eaten in the Father's kingdom. This is, this is when, so when this happens, this is when you know, they go in to, as we, as we saw in the last chapter, when they had the oil, they sent the others like, well, we don't, there's five virgins. There's like, we don't have the oil for you. You're going to have to go and buy it from the merchants. You're going to have to go into the sacred temple and see if you could buy a dove. Good luck. We're going to have that oil. We're going to go and use that oil and we're going to go in to the sacred marriage with Christ, the bridegroom. What is this? This is the holy marriage. And this is exactly what has to happen within you internally in order for this to, to occur. This is called the hieros gamos. This is called the holy marriage. It's a, it's a sexual ritual, but it's not a physical sexual ritual. We're going to talk about sex magic today, actually. We're going to talk about Santa Claus's sex magic today. It's not a physical. It's a metaphysical process. All of this stuff is. That's why Santa Claus can, you know, be everywhere at once and go down through chimneys of fire and no one has seen him. It's a sexual ritual that plays out a marriage between a god and a goddess, a king and a queen especially with enacted a symbolic ritual where human uh, participants represent the deities. So that's basically what we're talking about. So when this, um, we'll, get, we'll get back into this, sorry. The, this oil is the most sacred substance in the body, is the quintessence of gold, the gold of a fur, most truly a rare gift. Globules of oil are found in the vital fluid, the semen, and when the prodigal son has wasted his substance, he finds that it takes a long time to replace that deficiency and make good the looted bank account in other words you're wasting that energy you're wasting that's a gift and you're just wasting it right instead of using it to transmute your spiritual body this wonderful oil is the secret the secrete work of the immaculate virgin the virgin mary represented by the sign of virgo of course that's the you know virgin that's of course the um, purification if there was no oil in the body, the skin would become harsh and dry. I know all about that. The story of the wise virgins, this is what we just talked about. Who had their lamps trimmed and filled with oil is given to emphasize the necessity for the presence of oil in the body, for they cannot go out to meet the bridegroom unless their lamps are burning. They had to trim their lamps, and then like at midnight, they're like, let's do it, let's go. We're going to go be enlightened with Christ. The lamb is the lamp thereof. Oil comes from what? The, the term oil, let's just go back here, a little re revisit here. Oil comes from what? Olive. The etymology comes from olive directly. Chrism, the Christ, the Christ, the oil mingled with balm, the olive oil. And of course, this is all about going into that central pole from Santa Claus from the North Pole going down and then going back up to the North Pole, right? This is what the whole story is about. This is the Mount of Olives. This is exactly what it's called in scripture it's called the mount the mountain in the center of everything and we'll revisit this of olives of the mountain of oil in other words this is in our cosmology where is the it's this is the mount of olives that separates the most holy place from the temple mount from the judean desert to the east this is the place from which jesus the messiah ascended into heaven what is the desert in the east it's once again look up look up look up and look in you look up and what do you see? You see a lynx, you see a camelopardalis, which is a giraffe, a camel, and a leopard. You see uh, Leo Minor, you see Leo Major, you see the beehive, you see all, all of, what is that? Those are all animals that exist in deserts. 
lions and snakes and lynx and leopards and camels, bees, okay? This is all the oil. This is specifically where, where Santa Claus comes from, the North Pole. Now, when we say that this whole process is a process of what is called kundalini, and this is the biggest problem with modern Christians, if you will, is they, they're denying this, this fundamental physiological process, and it's clearly in the Bible. It's like once you understand it, it's right there. It's, it's hard to miss, in fact. John 3.14, John Pi, if you will, 3.14, John Pi, says, as Moses, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. This is Moses lifting the serpent up in the wilderness. Just as Moses lifted that serpent up, you must lift the Son of Man, which is the light of Christ, the oil within you up. You got to do it. That's what our cosmology is based on. That's what the story of Christ is based on. That's what all of those allegories are based on. That's what, that's what Santa Claus is absolutely based on. And you can find it in the myth of Santa Claus. You can find it in the Old Testy. You can find it in the New Testy. And you can find it in the, the uh, canon of alchemy all day long. There it is, the merging of the sun and the moon, rising the serpent up, the central spinal column, all the way to a crown. You mean like the Christ, the chrism, the, the, the crown chakra, if you will. And then there's the Trinity, a mercurial figure right there. Of course, you go all the way up. What's up there? It's a lamb. There's a lamb at the top there. There's a fire all the way below. It's all right there. All of these, all of these illustrations, mind you, are meant to be understood. They're meant to be read and understood. That's why books are made. That's why illustrations, that's why paintings are made. They're, they're there to uh, embed the mystery so that you can absolutely one day understand this. Look at this and be like, I know what that says. Okay? Let's look at, to, to hammer this point home, so ah, we got Santa and the oil coming down the chimney of the fireplace, and there's the serpent in the wilderness and lifting the Son of Man up. To reiterate this, this is even in our language. Look at the, Santa Claus is a word, Santa is a, is a variation of the word saint. They could have just called him Saint Claus, right? But they didn't. For some reason, he's Santa. We'll show you why. But the abbreviation for saint is what? It's ST. Symbolically, what is that? Look. It's, is that a serpent rising up a cross? It's absolutely what it is. <laughs> it's like, Marty, draw me a, a guy that's a, a person and then a serpent going up his spinal column. There you go. It's the letters S and T. Right there. You know what else? In Gematria, what is ST? It's 13. What's Lord? 13. What's God? 13. What's Son? 13. 12 around 1, if you will. Okay, so there's your abbreviation for saint. Santa, Christ, it's all the same. This, think about the Santa Claus legend in itself. It's one based on morality. It's based on what? Being judged on one's conduct and the cycle of the seasons. That's what the Santa Claus legend is. It's one that's based on what you're, you're, you're going to be judged. There's an, there's an old man up north in the heavens that's going to look down upon you, is everywhere at once, and is going to judge you upon your actions here. And it's all based on how moral you are, and it's also tied directly to the cycle of the seasons. Well, how, do we, how are we going to know who's moral and who's not and everything like that? Well, as, as the Bible says, you shall know them by their fruits. You shall know them by their fruits. It's like, oh, well, this person, they say he's a Christian. That means a good, that doesn't mean shit. 
doesn't mean shit. People call themselves things all the time. People say, I'm this thing all the time. Okay, you're just that's just small mouth noises that are entering the air and going into people's ear holes. What are your actions? What do you actually do? That's what you'll be judged on. The thoughts in your head, what goes on in this vessel, and what you actually do in the world. It doesn't matter. Christian, Jew, Muslim, who gives a shit? At the end of the day, how much love are you putting into the world? How much knowledge are you putting into the world? How, how much are you helping people understand? How much are you being part of your community? That's what matters. That's what actually determines if you are a quote-unquote Christian or not. Right? Santa Claus legend is based on morality, judging, you know, being judged on your conduct and the cycle of the seasons. That's what it's all based on. There ain't nothing wrong with the myth of Santa Claus. It's a beautiful thing. It's just reiterating the exact same thing that children actually need to know. What is it based on? Oh, he makes a list whether you're naughty or nice, whether you're foolish or you're wise, whether you're going with the will of God, which is what? Put, put the most amount of truth and light and love that you could possibly put into the world and the other. You're going with the will of God or against it, if you will. Okay? When this saint, the serpent up the staff, of you that goes into your head from the rooftop and the Aries and goes down with the oil into the fireplace and, and actually judges you for what you've done throughout the whole year, throughout the 365 days of that year, right? then he says, oh, well, if you did the good stuff, you're going to be receiving gifts. You're going to be receiving gifts right from Santa Claus, right from God, the saint in the north. And what is that gift? Well, if you know and you're not one of these, um, I'll just say this. It's Christmas. Marty, you should be nice. <laughs> if you understand what Kabbalah is, you realize that Kabbalah absolutely means gifts. It means to receive. That's what it means. And so when we talk about it, it's like, oh, okay, well, God is going to give me gifts. When he does that, that is a Kabbalistic reception. That means you're receiving gifts directly from the divine. That's exactly what Santa Claus is doing. That's exactly what he's doing. He this metaphysical being in the north that is a God figure that's judging you on your actions is going to be giving you a gift. And what is that gift? It's Kabbalah. And what is a gift called? It's called a present. I think, you know, uh, lots of people know, know this thing. It's from Kung Fu Panda. It's like, oh, the, the present is a gift. That's why it's called the present, right? Th that's true. I know that's a little campy and things like that, but it's absolutely true. So here's this St. Klaus that comes down and gives the gifts of Kabbalah. Gives the gifts that happen what? In the present. And that's where it all happens, because we're constantly in the present, if you will. It's never the future, and it's never the past. It's always the present. And this is exactly what the Trinity tells us. Once again, why it's so important to understand the absolutely metaphysical truths behind this. Otherwise, you end up in Catholicism. You end up in the Methodist. You end up in the Orthodoxy. You end up with a, a belief system of where people don't even understand the basics of the Trinitarian doctrine, what it means, why it's so important, what the terms are, none of it. They don't understand any of it. It's desperately important that you do. Because when you do, then it allows you to say, oh, there's nothing wrong with the Santa Claus myth. I don't have to be like, well, Santa, that's taking away from our Christ. No, it's not. It's reinforcing Christ in ways that you have, you know, most have no idea about. So what is, what is, what is, uh, what's Santa bringing? Christ, the present, the greatest present that Santa can bring. Okay. We're gonna take. We're gonna pass the basket around. <clears throat> we really thank all the people that do uh, stop by and do support our tiny little church. It's a tiny church, 
It's, uh, we, have, we almost have 700 members on Telegram. We're a tiny church. But if you would like to support our tiny church, and if you like the, the, the sermons that we do here and would like to see this keep going for the next year or more, um, please become a member at Subscribestar. You can uh, donate Venmo, buy me a coffee, Cash App, or uh, PayPal. And I'm sure my lovely, beautiful wife is going to be posting all the links in the chat. Um, and snail mail, if you'd like donations or make checks or anything like that, or if you want to just send us a message, we really appreciate anything we get. So, uh, Nasik Academy, 7781 County Road, 3440 Mountain View, Missouri. Um, I'm going to play two songs now. Like I said, this is going to be a very musical Christmas. I'm going to play uh, two songs. Actually, one I'm going to play, and then I'm going to play a recording of. And um, here we go. That's my short little acoustic rendition of Little Drummer Boy. And I'm playing that because that's one of my dad's favorite songs. And I also am going to play another song here. And this is a song by Jethro Tull, and it's called A Christmas Song. And I'm only playing this because I know my dad really loves this song, and he requested it. So if you, have, if, if you don't like this, you can blame my father. And you can say, you can, his name is Mike McNally. You can call him at 1-800-666-GO-FUCK-YOURSELF. Um, <laughs> no, if you don't like this song, uh, you can blame him and anything like that. But I wanted to do this because I know he would appreciate it. So this is a Christmas song by uh, Jethro Tull. So 
Christmas parties All right, thank you so much for suffering through that with everybody. We appreciate that. Uh, uh, thanks to everybody that does support the fine work that we do here at the Gnostic Church. We really appreciate it. Um, we just we thank you so much for allowing us to keep going. It's uh, we love doing this, and we want to keep doing it. And I say that every week because um, yeah, it's t it's tough doing this. It's a it's a tough go, but it's worth it because um, we love this community and uh, we love all the go bites, and uh, it really it's uh, it fills our hearts. It really does. So, okay. All right, let's keep going and let's talk more about this fat bastard. Okay, let's talk about the colors. As we just saw, Christ even wears, in a lot of these illustrations, red and white. Why the colors of red and white? And we'll uh, we'll discuss this. Okay, so we're actually going to talk about that. That this is this is part of the uh, alchemical process. These colors are actually um, related specifically to processes of alchemy. Excuse me. Sorry, it's cold in here. I don't want to freaking blow my nose in on, on, <laughs> on the mic. So anyway, so this is the colors and processes of alchemy. Now there's, you know, depending on how you, uh, you know, which way you cut it, if you will, there's lots of different processes of alchemy. Sometimes there's like, se you know, sevenfold process and sometimes there's four and sometimes there's three and things like that, right? Which should tell you something right there that it's a very mystical thing. But one of the one of the main is the negredo, the albedo, the centrinitas and the rubedo, and that's what you see right there. So there's the four colors, black, white, a yellow or gold, and then red, right? And sometimes the order is, you know, it differentiates and that sort of thing. But in general, this is what you'll have. So you'll have the negredo, which is the black. You have the albedo, which is the white, of course. And black, of course, is usually a, a term that's, you know, darkness. Of course, it's not light. White is, of course, a, a color of um, a process of virginity, if you will, or purification. You have gold, which is what? Of course, the golden light of the sun. That's usually truth. It's, gold is usually a color associated directly with truth. And then red is, of course, the, the usually fire or, or blood, that sort of thing. And so we'll talk about this. So even in this process right here, you can see that, hey, well, I mean, Santa seems to be like, okay, what, he's, gonna, he's going down the chimney, that kundalini fire, if you will, going down the chimney as the oil to give you the gifts of Kabbalah, and you either get what? Lumps of coal or gifts, right? That's usually what it is, whether you're naughty or nice, whether you're going towards the will of God or against the will of God, if you will. 
right? What are the lumps of coal? That's the negredo. That's the darkness. That's the blackness. That means you haven't been doing your spiritual work. That means you've been naughty, if you will. When he comes down the chimney, what's the color that's between the black and the gold? Well, it's the purification. It's the white. It's the albedo. Which means that what? Okay, well, you did your spiritual work, which means what? You're going to get that gold. You're going to get the gifts of Kabbalah from, um, um, from the saint himself, if you will, from God himself. Okay? What also, what also is this? When you have the red and white, when we talk about, we're, this is discussing, I mean, this is what sex magic actually means. This is why, by the way, this is why your children should not be listening to the Gnostic Church and Academy of Lord Jesus Christ. These sermons are not for children, right? The children should have separate sermons because adults need to talk about adults things, adult things. These are adult things that we're talking about here, okay? So what is the white and the red in, in, this, in this, um, this, this grand metaphor, this mythology? Well, the white is what? It's a representation of semen. What's the red? It's a, men it's a representation of menstrual blood. Now, why? It seems like, oh, that's sick. Why are they bringing up fluids? Well, by the way, this whole thing is a, what? It's an allegory for the fluids in your body. Absolutely. It's the oil that goes, cushions your brain, goes up and down your spinal column, the whole bit. So the whole thing is an allegory for the fluids and chemical processes in your body. Bar none. Okay, so why why should we assume that other other aspects of it are not that? They are. Okay, so the semen is of course white and the menstrual blood is red. Now, of course, what happens when those two, right? If if you will, when the merging of those fluids, what happens? It, you're, it's a representation of the man and the woman. Obviously, the menstrual blood is the woman, the, the semen is the man. And what happens? Of course, they merge. And what is that? That's the sacred marriage. What comes from the sacred marriage? Well, what's between the red and the white there? What's between the gifts and the and the purification? Or excuse me, what's you know, it's or excuse me, the 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 white and the red. It's the gifts. It's the Kabbalah. It's the gold. Okay? So this is all about the merging of the man and the woman. Now, um, here's some alchemical illustrations to point out exactly what we're talking about here. There on the right, there's the white woman. Right? I mean, it doesn't matter because we're, the colors are, you're talking about ultimately a merging, right? So you have red and white merging what? Together. Pater, mater, coitus. What's born between them? A child. The gold, the, the gift. What's down below? The darkness of the cavern down below is the blackness. That's the negredo down below there. Then you have the red and the white merging, and what? You have the gift of the child, and this is the rebirth of the soul. This is a physiological process. What do you have here? You have a red, right? You have a, a red wing and a white, white wing merged onto one body of a man and a woman. The negredo is the, is the, you know, the black there, and then holding the, a sun disk, if you will. See that? Here's a, here's, a, here's a really good one. Check this one out, right? Same sort of thing. White and red merging together in union, just as we saw with Christ. He was wearing red and white a lot, sometimes red and blue. Um, and there you have the red and the white, the union of the man and the woman together to birth the new being within you, which is the Christ child. This is this right there. That's Santa Claus. You guys see it now? You guys see that story of Santa Claus there? Reading from a God Man, a Word Made Flesh, once again, this is exactly what lamb means. When you go to the original Hebrew, um, 
the Hebrew letters, it literally means lamb, literally translates to, well, let's, well, let's just, this is the central eye once again from God, man, word made flesh, and the lamp is the, is the light thereof, the light is the, is the lamb, that sort of thing. The optic thalamus, that central eye in the center of the head is called the lamp and the lamb, as we know. The thalamus is a massive gray matter at the base of the cerebrum, projecting into the boundary of the third ventricle. The Hebrew letters, Lamed, Aleph, Mem, and Beth, which spell lamb, mean in their order, overcoming father, mother, and house. Once again, we just covered this a couple weeks ago, but this is exactly what's going on. The red and white, what is it? It's the mother and the father. What are you doing? You're overcoming. You're overcoming, and of course, what are you overcoming? The negrado, the darkness, the blackness of your ignorance, of your unspiritual life. Where is all of this happening? In your house. In your house. It's literally what the translation of lamb is. Of course, while the, while the P in lamp gives a different meaning, of course, the P um, it comes from pay, which means what? Speech and what? Pie. So you go from the lamb, which means you're overcoming the mother and father in the house, in the bath, and it turns into a lamp. And what it means, you're overcoming the mother and the father. And how are you doing that? With pie. That's literally how, that's literally how it's spelled. So this is what all of this, this is what all of this means. This is all meant to be understood. It's not meant to be just some grand mystery. Santa Claus isn't there. Just it's just a it's just a conglomeration, a clusterfuck of a bunch of random stuff that was put together over the years and doesn't have any meaning. And it's just a but no, furthest thing from the truth there. And this is what the Gnostic perspective will reveal. When this lamb enters in, the essence of life within us, the oil feeds this lamp. When this actually goes down and comes back up, and you have this rebirth process, what is it? My friend just sent me this uh, recently. It's called an epiphany, right? Uh, BBBK just sent me this. He actually sent me this thing about the 12 days of Christmas, which I have to get into because the 12 days of Christmas originally was apparently uh, started on Christmas and then went to January 6th, if that rings a bell to anybody. So originally, according, I believe, don't quote me, but according to the Catholic Church, the 12 days of Christmas originally started on Christmas and went to January 6th. Speaking of false flags and things. Anyway, when this happens, when you have the Christ realization, the rebirth, the, the, the apotheosis, the deification, when that happens, when that moment happens, what is it? It's an epiphany. What, what does epiphany mean? It means the manifestation of Christ to the Gentiles. <laughs> That's really. And you can see it's a festival commemorating the epiphany on January 6th. Right there, it even says that. In the Roman Catholic Church, many, uh, the Epiphany celebrates the revelation, the revelation. That's what, it, that's what revelation means. So when we talk about St. John's revelation, the book of Revelation, what is it? It's a whole book about processes above and below about what is revealed to Johnny Boy. And what was revealed to Johnny Boy was what? It tells you in the first line of Revelation, Jesus Christ. In the Roman Catholic Church, many Western uh, churches, the Epiphany celebrates the revelation of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles as the three Magi where the first Gentiles are non-Jewish people to encounter the Christ child. The arrival of the Magi indicates that Jesus came to save all people, not just the Jewish people. This is why there's a fundamental problem with followers of Judaism today because they do not recognize this absolute fact. We're all children of God. We all have the Christ oil within us. Santa Claus doesn't just go to the Jewish households, okay? 
That's why it's so important to understand this sort of thing. So anyway, so this is an epiphany. Think about it. It's an epiphany. Okay, it's, there's a pie there, just you know. But this is what an epiphany really is. So when you have an epiphany, what's happening? Well, here's the, here's the next uh, definition of it. It's a manifestation of a divine or supernatural being. So when you have this moment of clarity, this aha moment, that epiphany on, on theological things, on, on the divine, right? And it actually leads you to verifiable information, verifiable knowledge, right? That connects you above. That's, that's Christ entering into your life. That's what an epiphany actually means. Manifestation of divine or supernatural being. And that's what this whole process is about. Okay, so we got the colors, the red and white of that fat old bastard Santa Claus. Now, let's look at some math. This is crazy. This is crazy. Cat links better late than never. Hey, we, we appreciate you showing up whenever. Thank you so much for the gold and silver, by the way. Santa Claus. Let's do some gematria here. This is nuts. <laughs> this was one of those things I was getting together. I'm like, really? So, Santa Claus. This is, once again, they could have called him Saint Klaus. They could have called him, you know, whatever. They didn't. His name is Santa. Why? I'm saying because however it has come to pass, whether this is by God Almighty or the people that, you know, encoded this stuff particularly or whatever, math is absolutely being relayed to us here, okay? And I'll show you, I'll show you how absolutely integrated all of this is. It's crazy. So there's Santa Claus right there. You can read it right there. Santa equals 16 and Klaus, Klaus equals 18. Well, just read the numbers left to right. What is that? It's 1618. It's 1618. What is 1618? If you've been following along with the Gnostic Church and Academy of Lord Jesus Christ and you have been reading the books from Brother Marty Leeds, you know that that is phi. That is the ratio of phi. 1618. 1618 is 1.618. This is found in the pentagram, okay? Um, I'll just show this here. This is, uh, actually, let's go back to this. Hold on. We'll go back to this in a second here. We'll have fun with that in a second. Okay, let me go back here. This is phi. So this phi is 1.618, 1618, as you can see right in Santa Claus. This is, um, there it is, phi or five. Phi is found in five. And it's what we call the fingerprint of God or design signature within the creation itself. It's the ratio of 1 to 0.618 or 1.618 to 1. And that's exactly what the ratio is. And this is a ratio. And this is one of these mathematical constants that you find within creation that allows you to understand, oh, shit, this thing has been designed. There, not only is there's a, there's a design signature, and you can find it in inanimate objects and objects, uh, inanimate objects and animate objects. You can find it between the sun and the pattern of Venus. Pattern, the cycle of the sun is 365. Pattern of Venus is 225. 365 divided by 225 is 1.62. Roughly 1.618. It actually forms a star in the heavens. Literally. So all of this is this whole 1.618 you find in the cochlea of your ear, on your finger, on your fingers. It's all proportioned all over your body. It's the cubit of the arm. The forearm is 1.61. You can measure it. You know, and that's the important point. You can measure all that. So this is what Santa Claus, the Saint Claus, 1618, is one of the things it's referring to. Okay? By the way, just a little note here. You find, uh, this is too much. I should have had a graphic. But you find 1.618 in what's known as the Fibonacci sequence. And that's 0, 1, 1, 2, you know, 3, 5, 8, 13, 21, et cetera, right? It goes to 21, 34, 
Um, um, that 34 is, the, is, is a number within the Fibonacci sequence, and that's the, it's Santa Claus. Santa Claus is 34. So the very sequence in which you find 1.618, which Santa Claus is encoding, is, is you find in the Fibonacci sequence, and that's a Fibonacci number, 34. Just a side note there. But So this is Santa Claus. Now, okay, now, once again, we'll get back to the star thing in just a bit when, of course, we talk about the Christmas tree. We'll get back to that in just a second. But here's also the, when we look at Santa Claus, and we're like, okay, 16 and 18, 1.618, that's phi, etc. But what's the number between Santa and Klaus? It's 17. Okay? What's 17? It's numbers that lead directly to Jesus Christ in a whole heap load of ways. Directly. The 17th prime number is what? 59. What does Jesus Christ equal in English gematria? 59. How many beads do we Gnostics wear on our rosary? When we look at that Catholic rosary, how many beads are on there? 59. What's the sexagesimal system? The very system that we use to map and track the sun. What is it? A sexagesimal system is 0 through 59. Let's go over this a second. Let's go over it once again. Santa Claus, the number between Santa and Klaus is 17. The 17th prime number is 59. Jesus Christ equals 59. 59 beads in a Christian rosary. 59 represents directly the sexagesimal system which we use to map and track the sun. Christ. The 17 triangular number is what? 153. How many fish? Was the, the miraculous draw of fish in John and what is it? I think it's in Luke 2 or whatever. How many fish did, did Jesus, say? he said, Simon, Peter, and some other dude, I forget what it was, go out to your boat and cast your nets wide and you're going to bring in this many fish. And how many is it? 153. The 17th triangular number is 153. The first seven primes ending in 17, it says it below there, 2, 3, 5, 7, 11, 13, 17, this math, was encoded in the last chapter we just talked about in Matthew. 2, 3, 5, 7, 11, 13, 17. First seven prime numbers. If you square them, do you know what it equals? 666. That's all between Santa and Klaus. And every single one of those numbers leads directly to Jesus Christ. Okay? Yeah, yeah, wow, polymathic, exactly. So then we look at this. They even talked about how this is the Christ, um, XPI, XP. Of course, this is the Christos in the original Greek. This is the symbol for Christ. And what, what is that? That's the XP right there. All of these things, the key, the Chiro, Chiro, I think is how you pronounce that. Sorry for my awful pronunciations. You guys know. Uh, the key, the CHI, it's 365. The first three letters of Christ is 365. And the chiropractor, like, what does a chiropractor do? It adjusts your, your bones, but mainly your spine, right? It's a chiro, chiro. That's, the, that's literally directly related to Christ. And what is it? It's the first three is what? 365. When does Santa come on Christmas, which is a representation ultimately what? Of the pattern of the sun, which is what? 365. This is all representing what? That sun, that son of man, that light, that oil that is within you. This is the chimney. Here's the chimney that Santa comes down. And what is it? It's 365. It's, 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 three, it's 365. 
is what it is. <laughs> Chimney is also the same math as heaven, by the way. I just put that on the top there just so you can see. So all these things, Chim the, the, the key, the Christ, chiropractor, the chimney, all 365, all relating to what? The sun, the path of the sun. Now, this is Santa. Let's go back here. Santa Claus and Phi. Santa Claus, 1618. Just read it left to right. 1618. That's Phi. Here's Phi. Just as you would spell it in English. P-H-I. What is it? Class? 365. How many days in the solar year? There's also three letters and its gematria value is 14 in phi. There's three letters in phi, P-H-I, and it, 3 plus 6 plus 5 is 14. So there's phi, which gives you, well, the... A, a design signature of creation, phi is 1.618. And then in phi, it gives you 365, which is the pattern of the sun itself, which is shows that the thing has been designed, let's just say that. And then within the math of that, it gives you three letters and a gematria value of 14, which is what? It's pi. <laughs> so within phi, they're giving you phi, the pattern of the sun and the mathematical constant of God, if you will, pi? Yes, uh, that's true. This is why it's called an E- Epiphany, if you will. Phiny. <laughs> Pi, phi, e. That's a lot of math, if you know what I'm saying. So that's all there. Now, and why, why is 365 so important? Because as we know, as Gnostics, the sun is the supreme symbol of the mysteries. You have to first start, this, the, in this sense, the sun is the doorway to the gateway of the mysteries, if you will, that gets you into understanding your cosmology, gets you into understanding the star study and the astrology, gets you into understanding the numbers and the geometry. That's what it's there for. It's that constant. It's that constant circular light that guides us, if you will. And that's why all of these sun gods throughout the years, throughout all these different civilizations, they're all sun gods. Why? Well, because of this. Because that thing, that, that celestial metaphysical object in the sky has a lot to teach us. We have to listen. We have to have the ear to hear the word. Okay? Santa Claus is no different. It's no different. Now, what do you do? You put this, so let's just keep going here. There's Santa Claus and Phi, and that leads right to the pentagram. That leads right to the pentagram, and that's exactly where you find that mathematical constant. Of course, we're talking about, what? We're talking about Christmas, and what do you do? Well, it's one of the, Santa Claus, God himself, comes down through your rooftop, your Aries, down your chimney, which is your spinal column, wants to go through that hearth, that fireplace, and gets to the tree and leaves that Kabbalistic gifts. And, uh, and under, underneath that tree, and we'll talk about the tree, and what's on top of that tree? A star. You place the star on top of that tree, and what does that represent? Polaris. It represents the pole of the whole thing. We'll talk about that in just a second. Um, one other thing about phi is what is it? It's it's the balancing point in in our in our base base ten system, zero through nine. Five is that balancing point. So it's once again just the number five itself tells you just like earth and heart. Within one word, it tells you your spiritual directive. Within one number, when you read it and you understand it gnostically and mystically, it tells you exactly what you're doing here. You got to find some balance, son. Okay? 
What else does Santa do? We'll get back to the tree and the star in just a second. But what else does Santa do? He comes down that chimney and he puts gifts in your stockings or under the tree. Okay, well, what is the top of the tree? That's the polaries. That's the polaris. That represents your head. Okay. And then you have the stockings that are held right by the fireplace. And what is this? This is a representation of your zodiac man. The stockings are what? Your feet. It's your Pisces. And then the Polaris, the, the star on the top of the tree is what? It's your head, which means what? Well, that's holistic. That's what it is. Head to toe, if you will. You got to purify that vessel. Head to toe. Get it? Now, we know that when they put the we put the star on the tree, the, of course, we have the, the when we've done, the, we did the Kabbalistic origin of the Christmas tree. So I'm just going to do a little brief overview so we understand it. But, um, you know, when we talk about the, the, the firs or the evergreens, they're symbolic of, they're still green through the winter. So what is that? It's symbolic of eternal life. They don't die, right? Just like, just like the Christ doesn't, you know, in, in this sense, doesn't die. It's eternal. God's love is eternal, that sort of thing. That's what the tree represents. And you bring that tree out, out from the, you know, the, the death of the cold, the darkness, the negredo of the year, if you will, through the death of the year, and you bring it in, and it's representing everlasting uh, life with God because it's lasting through the winter. It stays green. And then you decorate it with what? Lights, angelic lights, and then you put a star on the top of that polaris. Fir trees are a genus of evergreen, coniferous trees, of course, um, and th this has been a, a time-honored tradition for since who knows how long. And, of course, fir trees and that sort of thing, they come from, like, you know, you would say probably of a, of a Germanic origin and that sort of thing, of course. Um, but the, the symbolism is universal. There's no question about it. So there's the Christmas tree once again. The Christmas tree is doubtless of Germanic origin, though in its present form it's comparatively of recent date, yet its pagan prototype enjoyed a very high antiquity. This is where he's like, oh, this is all pagan stuff. This is like Christians, like these very literalist fundamentalist Christians will want to block this stuff. It's like, that's all pagan stuff. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Slow your roll there, bro. You got to understand what, uh, what uh, Christ is all about before you start casting out all these other traditions. That's, we don't do that here at the Gnostic Church. The early Germans conceived of the world as a great tree whose roots were hidden deep underneath the earth, but whose top, flourishing in the midst of Valhalla, the old German paradise, nourished the she-goat upon whose milk-fallen heroes restored themselves. Yagrasil was the name of this tree, and of course this tree, this Yagrasil tree, this tree in the center of the earth is representative of the Christmas tree. It's Kabbalistic. It's Kabbalistic. Just as we said it is. Just the gifts. They're Kabbalistic. Every, every bit of this is Kabbalah. Okay? Why do we find the central tree in Egypt? Why do we find it in the Hindu, the Sanskrit, Jainism, Buddhism, Sikhism, Hinduism? The Oneidas tell us about, oh, the supernatural beings lived in the sky world above the waters which recovered the earth, and this tree was covered with fruits which gave them their light. <laughs> the, the Oneidas. What do the Oneidas have to do with the Sikhs and the Buddhists and the Christians and the Egyptians? Everything. Greek mythology, Hera is gifted a branch of golden apples and this dragon this guards this tree in the center. Of course, we can just keep going to the Gnostic Manichaeans. They had a central tree. The Mayans had a central tree. Of course, there's the Yggdrasil in the lower right-hand corner there. You know, all over, over the world, the griffin depicted as nibbling on a sacred tree in Assyria, the Turkish, Russia. Just go around the world. And what is that tree? That's the tree that exists within the center. 
that tree that goes all the way up to the center, which is the Polaris, the pole star, this is the star, the star that you put on top of that tree, which is 1.618, it's Santa Claus. And what does that represent? That's you. This is this whole thing. It always represents you. So liner stem through the Earth's center, connecting its surface to the underworld and the heavens around which the universe revolves. Leaves those gifts under the tree for you to open up that next morning. And of course, we see, and this is something we covered before, the tree itself is just triangular shaped. It's just, it's always represented. It's always mentioning that Trinitarian doctrine. It's always there. So now we're going to talk about, we're going to get into some of the cosmology, the actual astrology that we actually find within Santa Claus, okay? So we covered the colors, we covered the physiological aspect of it, the, you know, the, the, the symbolic aspects of Santa Claus, the math. Let's get into the astrology of it. And this is pretty good stuff. So what we're going to read is actually from Twas the Night Before Christmas, which is one of the most famous, of course, Christmas carols. Um, and it says here, um, the current conception of Santa Claus is the jolly old elf. Once again, he's an elf. Whenever you talk about sprites or elves or that sort of thing, that's metaphysical. So that immediately tells you that you're in the realm of the metaphysical, okay? Um, this was popularized by Clement Clark Moore's now famous poem, A Visit from St. Nicholas, otherwise known now as Twas the Night Before Christmas. He, he originally published it anonymously in 1823. This is, uh, you'll find that a lot of esotericists, myself included, do this. They publish anonymously. Why, why is this? Do you know why some, some of these people, I'll tell you why I did it. One of the reasons I did it. Why do we publish anonymously or under a pseudonym? Because you're not supposed to take credit for this shit. <laughs> it's given to you. Kabbalah is a gift. That's what it means. That means if like you go around and you're like, this is, I can't stand this from people. Whenever I hear this from somebody, I pretty much always just shut them off. Whenever somebody starts talking about, well, my work is this. And my, see, I wrote these books and my work says this and my, shut up, dude. Shut up. Stop taking possession of stuff that you don't possess or you don't own. And if you have any intelligence or you have any gifts to give to the world, it's because those gifts were given to you from on high. If you have any truth and actual light to spread, it's because it was given to you. Your talents, we just talked about this, your talents were given to you. So as soon as you start saying, my stuff, my stuff, that you're possessed, you don't, you don't get my ear anymore. That's for sure, okay? So this is the thing. So this guy, he, this Clark Moore, he published this anonymously, and then later he claimed authorship because I, they probably just figured it out who wrote it, right? But the, the point is, it's like, why do you go under Claudia Pavonis? Why do you have Marty Leeds? Because of that. They don't take credit for this stuff. They don't call it the Marty Lead Cipher. That's ridiculous. This author, Twas the Night Before Christmas, he published it all, all across the U.S. after the Civil War, and it became this iconic sort of thing. Okay, and of course, we all remember, I'm, at least most of us probably remember, Twas the Night Before Christmas, reading this sort of thing as a, in a children's book somewhere or the other, you know, and this really just... Really, I mean, this is one of these things that just, all the elements are something. There's something about it, as we can see why, what the something really is. But it, it just gets to your the core of your imaginative faculties or whatever. You know what I mean? It just hits home. There's just something about an old, fat old dude riding sleigh and reindeer and all this other stuff. There's just something about it. So we're going to read from this. We're going to talk about his reindeer, and then we're going to get to the astrology. So... "'Twas the night before Christmas when all through the house not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. The stockings were hung by the chimney with care. All of the elements, as you can see, whoever wrote this 
What I'm here to say, all of the word choice, just like any of the great poets and things like that, the word choice is explicit. The word choice is specific. The word choice is not willy-nilly, okay? This is what you'll read when you read the great, uh, the great authors. This is, you know, I always harp on these two because they, they do it so fucking well. James Joyce and William Shakespeare. There's no dot, there's no period, there's no conjunction. There's nothing that's left um, just for, oh, this is good enough. Every word it, in this, it, what the ancient poet was was meant for something, okay? And this is what you're going to see here. Every word means something here. So they've got the stockings. They've got the chimney, okay? The children were nestled all snug in their beds while visions of sugar plums danced in their heads. And Mom and her kerchief and I and my cap had just settled down for a long winter's nap. We all know this. When out on the lawn there arose such a clatter, I sprang from the bed to see what was the matter. Away to the window I flew like a flash, tore up the shutters, and threw up the sash. And the moon on the breast of the new-fallen snow gave the luster of midday to the objects below, when, what to my wondering eyes should appear, but a miniature sleigh and eight tiny reindeer. With a little old driver so lively and quick, I knew in a moment it must be St. Nick, more rapid than eagles. More rapid than eagles, his coursers, they came, and he whistled and shouted and called them by name, now Dasher, now Dancer, now Prancer and Vixen, now Common and Cupid, the Donner and Blitzen. To the top of the porch, to the top of the wall, now dash away, dash away, dash away all. Okay, so now we understand that there's a tree of life that you put in your living room and you decorate it with lights, angelic lights, and then on top you put the star, the star of Santa Claus of 1.618. And Santa comes to your house and gives those gifts of Kabbalah and he comes with himself and eight reindeer, which means there is nine total beings that are coming, metaphysical beings that are coming to your house. What is this a representation of? It's the representation of the base 10 system that you will find across the world. Once you understand these basics, you'll be able to put this in your brain and look to all of the great myths and you'll be like, oh, there it is again. Oh, there it is again. Oh, there it is again. Oh, this culture is talking about the same thing. This one over there is talking about the same thing. It's the same thing over here. What is this? You have Santa, which is the number one, and then you have his eight, his eight reindeer. That's your Christian angelic hierarchy. Seraphim, cherubim, thrones, dominions, virtues, powers, principalities, archangels, and angels. This is your nine worthies in the King Arthurian legends. Remember we talked about that the, there was people back in the day that the, they, they had apostolic succession to King Arthur. They're like, King Arthur was a real dude and we are the bishops and the saints that came from his lineage and his stock and stuff like that, right? Maybe, I don't know. But at this point, it doesn't matter if he was real or not, absolutely becomes legend, myth, and folklore. But that legend, myth, and folklore is not just, it's not just nonsense. It's not just a bunch of made-up shit. It's actually truth beyond truth. It's a universal truth. It gets right to the core of exactly spiritually what you're to do here. So here you have King Arthur. What did he have? He had his, oh, he was one of the nine worthies. The nine worthies are nine historical, allegedly scriptural, and legendary men of distinction who personify the ideals of chivalry, being good. The ideals of chivalry established in the Middle Ages whose lives were deemed a valuable study for aspirants to chivalric status. In other words, these, the aspirants, these initiates, they studied these nine worthies because if they studied them, that would lead them to a chivalric, which basically just means an enlightened status. And this is why you have Santa and his eight reindeer. And they were all, a lot of times they were called princes. These nine total. How about 
the very Germanic origin Norse kind of thing that we're talking about here. The central tree, the Yggdrasil, in the center of the in the center of the world. How many <laughs> how many uh, worlds was on the center of that tree? Nine, nine worlds. Why? Because they're all reflections of the exact same story. It's a universal story. That base ten system is put right in front of you. Okay. Here's uh, so there's and notice there's the you know, there's a nephilim and I can't say all these. Don't expect me to pronounce that shit. Come on, come on, you know better. But um, it goes from you know Niffle, Nifflehem all the way to Midgard and Asgard. Look, there's a there's an eagle on the top there. That's interesting. They put an eagle on the top of that. That's interesting. So the uh, the cosmos in Norse mythology consists of nine worlds. Santa and his eight reindeer. They flank a central cosmological tree, the Christmas tree, that goes all the way up to the star in the north. Units of time and elements of the cosmology are personified as deities or beings. Just exactly what we're talking about. What does Jesus represent? Horology and the, and the, the pattern of time. And where are we right now? It's Christmas. Which represents what? A very distinct place in our cosmological story. Of course, there's one, once again, there's the flat earth. That's the flat earth. That, that's where we live. Just so you guys know, that's a better representation of where we live than anything NASA's going to throw at you, poop at you. Okay? Here's the Poetic Edda. This is the first line of the Poetic Edda. And once again, you, once you see it, uh, hear me, all ye hallowed beings. Okay, so this is God speaking, and he's saying, hear me. Listen to my word. Listen. Speaking. Pay. Pie. I'm speaking. Hallowed beings. That's not like all the beings that is like, just you Jews or just you Norse. No, hallowed beings, that's everybody. That's all the, the beings that are what? Children of God, if you will. Both high and low of Heimdall's children, thou wilt the Valfather. This is the All-Father. What does the All-Father represent? That represents God. Where does God sit? In his throne in the north. That's Polaris. That's Santa Claus. He's got his home in the north. That I will set forth the fates of the world, which, as I first recall, I call to mind the kin of Eaton's, which long ago did give me life. Nine worlds I know, the nine abodes of the glorious world tree, the ground beneath. It's all right there. It's all right there. What did those nine represent? The nine worlds, the nine worthies, the Christian angelic hierarchy, Santa and his eight reindeer. What does that nine represent? It represents the base ten system. Zero. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine is what God put right in front of you. And so let's talk about these eight reindeer. There's Santa and his eight reindeer. And of course, there was eight. And then uh, a Jewish man came along. And I don't know if you guys know this, but the story of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer had a very shiny nose. And if you ever saw him, you would even say it glows. And then all of a sudden, Santa, one day it was a really uh, dark night. And they had Santa, or they had Rudolph, lead the pack, right? And so then now you actually created 10 right there, right? That, the story of Rudolph, the red-nosed reindeer, this is not a joke. This is true. Uh, double check me, but the story was written by a Jewish man. And as you guys know, Jewish people, are, have, they, have t they tend to have large snouts, if you will. And he even says, the guy that wrote the story, was, that was what it was based on. Like Rudolph, the red-nosed reindeer, the thing that really made him stuck out was his glowing nose. It's no shit. So, like, you know, once again, so there you can see the, the influence that's, that's happening there. And then that story was pushed out for everybody. Most people know Rudolph and they don't know the rest of the reindeer. But originally, this is what it was all about. It was about the nine worthies, okay? 
So here's the eight reindeer, and this is exactly what it says in the original, and I'm just going to point this out. I don't know if this is just, there's some more gematria. I don't know if this is just happenstance or if this was encoded or what, but I'm going to show this to you because it's crazy, and uh, that's it. So now, um, and he whistled and shouted and called them by name, now Dasher, now Dancer, now Prancer and Vixen, oh Comet, on Comet, on Cupid, on, uh, on Donnera and Blitzen. And this is exactly what it says, and this is... The, this is that line straight from that poem in 1823. And it's the same that I've seen in, in several different versions of it. So this is the line where Santa, just like Jesus Christ is calling out his, um, his disciples, it's the same sort of thing. So this is Santa, God himself, calling out the, the other worthies, if you will. Now Dasher, now Dancer, now Prancer and Vixen, on Comet, on Cupid, on Donner and Blitzen. That's the line. This line in Gematria equals 210. Okay, now I want to show you this because, because this represents your base 10 system. This is Santa the Eight Reindeer, which is your base 10 system, zero through, zero through nine. This equals 210. This is the mathematics of your hands down below there, you can see. So um, on your left hand, you have 14 phalanges. On your right hand, you have 14 phalanges, which means if you add one through 14, it equals 105. So if you have 105 on your left hand, adding 1 through 14, and you have 105 on your right hand, adding 1 through 14, that means you would have 210. Adding 1 through 14, left hand, phalanges at your hand. Adding 1 through 14, phalanges at your right hand. That's 105 plus 105 is 210. This just happens to be the gematria value of this poem that's at, at this point almost, what, two, 200 years old. I don't know. I'm saying that they knew that. I'm saying that that's not happenstance. That's that's uh, that's intended. So there you go. So there's Santa and his eight reindeer. Now let's talk quick about the reindeer. What are reindeer? Once again, they're mythical animals, right? I mean, deer or not, but these are deer that are doing what? Just like Pegasus is a flying horse, right? Or just like Capricorn is a seagull. Well, there's not actually a seagull, is there? No. Right? This is a mythical creature. All the creatures in the heavens are doing what? Well, they're in the heavens. They're flying. So right away, whenever you see, oh, these deer, but they, they don't have wings, but they're flying. Well, this is just like a Pegasus creature. This is just like, you know, any of these other constellational references. So what are reindeer? They're mythical animals, which means you're in the realm of mysticism. They're flying in the heavens, and they're going rooftop to rooftop with Santa. And that is literally Kabbalistic. Zero through nine is going and g going head to head, Aries to Aries, wondering, wondering who's going to be naughty and who's going to be nice, and when am I? When is Santa, 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 Santa going to drop those gifts in? Okay. So if we know that Santa is metaphysical, and we know that there are reindeer are metaphysical, and we know that there's, well, we don't know what's in the North Pole, but when we're talking about the metaphysics of the heavens, we know that the Polaris is the North Pole. We know all this sort of stuff is astrological. Well, then that means there should be some astrology to Santa Claus, and there absolutely is. Okay, let's pick this apart. So where is, first off, Santa, we know, is, the, is a representation of a father god that sits in the center, and that's the North Pole. That's Polaris. Okay, well, what's right by, uh, right across from Polaris is, you can see up in the top there, there's Oraga, and that's Santa's sleigh. And that's, that's literally a chariot, chariot or a sleigh, okay? 
Um, does everybody see that? We got Polaris, the North Pole, where Santa lives, and then Santa's sleigh is called Origa. Origa is the constellation. It's uh, traditional illustrations of Origa uh, represent, it is at a chariot. It's a sleigh. It's a chariot or a sleigh, if you will. And it's driver. So it's not just the chariot. It's a chariot and the driver of the chariot. The charioteer holds a goat over his left shoulder and has two kids under his left arm. What are kids called? They're children. <laughs> I think people call children kids. Why? And some people, I, in fact, I used to actually get annoyed with that because it was like, no, we're children of God. Why are you calling your children goats? But then Jennifer was like, well, have you ever seen children act? They, they run around like goats. And it's kind of true. So I don't really think there's anything wrong with calling a kid, you know, a, a kid a kid because a kid is a baby goat. And so here you have this Santa sleigh driver, charioteer guy that is there to bring gifts to what? Children. Okay. So, and this is the, so this is Orega. Let's, let's take a look at this. So this is Orega. There he is. And a lot of times he'll hold, he holds like a whip or he'll hold a, a cane. He'll hold a shepherd's cane. Okay. So this is Orega and this, and there, there's a bunch of different ones. A lot of times he's holding the whip there, sometimes the cane, it's a bunch of different things. Of course, he's been illustrated differently over the years. But of course, when we talk about that he's, he's some sort of shepherd that drives a sleigh that's really near the north, facts, then what do we have? Well, what do we think about candy canes? Once again, what are candy canes? They're representations of what? Well, I mean, just the cane itself is a representation of the shepherd, the shepherd's crook, the shepherd's cane. Absolutely, same sort of thing. And then what is it? It's red and white twirled together. What is that? That's the red. That's the process of alchemy. The red and white merge to be to transcend the negredo to create the gift, which is what Christ within you. Okay. Now and of course, where once again, where does this? Where does he come from? Pole, the North Pole, which is what. Polaris represents the point in our cosmology where the soul travels up and out of the firmament into the total unity of God. The Mount of Olives is where Jesus transcended into heaven, which is right, right by what? Polaris. Once again, it's all leading to the same thing. Okay? Now, the, now this is where it's more obscure, and you can really tell how old this is. Oh, i got to find this again. Excuse me. This is, um, when we get back to this, this here's the North Pole. There's Santa... Oraga and his sleigh, and right beneath, right between Polaris and Oraga is uh, Camelopardalis and Cassiopeia. Well, what used to be between, I highlighted Camelopardalis there, is, um, but it was actually between Cassiopeia and Camelopardalis was known as Rangifer. And Rangifer is a reindeer. Rangifer was a small constellation. You can even see there's Oraga, or, or, the shepherd kind of came. It's not Orga right there, but you can see there's the Orga figure and he's got a reindeer there. And Rangifer was a small constellation between the constellations of Cassiopeia and Camelopardalis. It was also known as Tarandus. Both words mean reindeer. So where was like, okay, so we have these reindeer and, but there's eight of them, right? Well, why was there eight and then nine around the central tree? Oh shit. Is it all coming together now? It's all Kabbalistic. So there's Rangifer. I'm highlighting Camelopardalis, but it's between the two there. What's north of that? A sleigh, a chariot, and a dude driving it. There's some reindeer. And where is he? In the North Pole. 
There it is. So, not just a humdrum mishmash, random you know, collection of ancient myths that have evolved over the years that now mean nothing. Nothing could be further from the truth there. This is all just deeply, deeply embedded with unbelievable rich symbolism, and it all leads directly to what? Well, as Gnostics, as we say, as we, as it was all this stuff does, Christ. And there's no getting around it. You fight it all you want. So, is there anything wrong with the Santa Claus myth? No. No, it's a beautiful thing. It's got the colors, it's got the math, it's got the astrology, it's got the Kabbalah, it's got, it's got it all. And it all leads to, it's all just a retelling of what? The, the Christ myth, the Christ story. Um, reindeer are, yes, of course, myth, the mythical creatures, we already covered that. So, okay, then we're going to end on this. So, this is, I just want to mention this. This is what I mean when these poets, they, they inject these things very slyly. And when you read the when you read um, these ancient works of literature, you got to remember there wasn't YouTube and freaking TikTok and whatever, right? There wasn't all of these different distractions that they had back in the day. What did they have? What did they have to enrich their lives? Literature, right? There wasn't MTV and there wasn't freaking you know whatever any of these sort of things. So literature was how you passed on. You know, literature and art was essentially how you passed on the great mysteries, which means that every single word choice in this thing was done specifically. And I want to show you this, okay? So let's go back over this. The moon on the breast of the new fallen snow gave the luster of midday to objects below when what to my wondering eye should appear but a miniature sleigh and eight tiny reindeer when a little old driver so lively and quick I knew in a moment it must be St. Nick more rapid than eagles. His coursers, they came. More rapid than eagles, his coursers, they came. And he whistled and shouted and called them by name. And then he calls out the, um, of course, the reindeer. Now, we just talked about when we, we showed this. I want to show you this. This is the nine worlds. What's on the top there? Asgard, right towards the top of the tree. It's an eagle, right? It's an eagle. <clears throat> of course, we know the eagle symbolism all over. Right? We've covered it how many times now? We saw that, hey, the, the, what the, oh, those, the Cherokee, what did they believe in? Those, 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 the, the indigenous. What, the, the feather is that of the golden eagle, which from the Cherokee antiquity was the sacred messenger between the earth and sky. Facts. Facts. <laughs> right? Um, and it represents the right way of living, thinking, and acting. Then we have the great seal of the United States. And what is it? It's an eagle. It represents an eagle. Then we go to, oh, that, that great phoenix cycle myth, right? Then we have that, and the sun ignites the nest, and the old phoenix dies in flames, a new young phoenix emerges from the ashes and wings back to Arabia and live another life cycle. The bird's features have changed over time, over the centuries, but most agree it's an eagle-like bird, that phoenix is. And then we go to those, oh, morals and dogma. And they have on the cover of it the, the double-headed eagle. And those, those wicked Freemasons with their numbers 32 and 33, the Scottish Rite. And what do they have? An eagle and a sword. And what does the sword represent? The sword represents the sword of spirit, which is the word of God. That's Cygnus, by the way, which is right by, we're not even going to get into that today. This is all constellational as well, right? There's birds right in this area. There's a, and then of course we have Odin. Odin was, uh, Odin splits the meat of poetry into several vessels 
and um, he's he's chased by he's 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 accompanied, if you will, by a big eagle. So now that we see that all of this stuff is once again directly related to Christ, and then we would say, oh, it looks like you know this. Uh, they have the. Oh, let me go back here. Sorry. And then we have, it was the night before Christmas, more rapid than eagles, his coursers, they came. And he whistled and shouted and called them by name. And just as he, right before he calls out these, the eight, the nine worthies, if you will, he discusses an eagle. And of course, if this is Santa and Santa is Christ and Santa is coming in Kabbalistically into your vessel, who announces Santa? Who announces the chrism? Who announces the oil? Who announces Christ? John, the eagle, announces the word. And that's why John 1.1 1, 1 is what? In the beginning was what? The word. Just like in the, Norse, the beginning of the Norse Poetic Edda. Hear ye, listen to the word. And who brings that word? John, the eagle. And just like John, the eagle, you guys, I go bites. You guys, I go bites. Thank you so much for your time and attention and your support and everybody that does watch through these. We um, every single one of these sermons are absolutely worth your time. They're worth the two, sometimes three hours if I get ranting and raving. That um, they're worth your time. We do this once a week because we know people are busy. We know people have lives. We know that they have kids to raise and businesses to run. And some people fall ill, like like I have been, and have to deal with health issues and all this other stuff. And so we try to um, respect your time. We try to put as much we as we possibly can in these two hours, so that hey. I'm going to go to Marty Leeds, you know, the Gnostic Church once a week, and I'm going to get my head full and my heart full of a lot of great knowledge and wisdom and information to help me understand this world. And um, it's an absolutely wonderful service that we provide here. We have no qualms about saying it, and we appreciate this absolutely beautiful congregation that allows us to continue to, continue to do this. Um, so we really appreciate you guys. Thank you so much. You guys are good. Gub bards. Um, if you guys would like to become a good bird, you can become a good bird of subscribe star. You can become a phoenix bird and a keeler bird, sing this bird, or you can become Tommy the P, my bird. That's right, Tommy. So, and if once again, if you'd like to send anything, Gnostic Academy 7781, County Road 3440, Mountain View, Missouri 65548. And of course, we have Venmo, Buy Me a Coffee, Cash App, PayPal, all of the places that you can go to support the fine work that we do. Uh, we are streaming to YouTube, uh, Rumble, and Rockfin. And I, we might be done with Rockfin, to be honest, because it's just. Uh, it that's a long story. We're just uh, kind of we're kind of done with Rockman, to be honest. But anyway, uh, we we do have the podcast, uh, podcast, Podbean, Spotify, all the other places. And thank you to Content Safe for getting us over on BitChute. There, we do have a channel on BitChute. So um, we also are available on the Flat Earth, Sun, Moon, and Zodiac app. All the Sunday sermons are there. So um, thank you so much to all the people that do grab the app and do watch the Sunday sermons or click through it through there. There's a, it's a great app great app so and of course we have the church store and all of that so um that's gnosticacademy.org i hope you guys all have a um a wonderful christmas i hope you have a uh, a beautiful time with your family and you really enjoy this um this holiday season jennifer and i like i said we're going to take the next uh, two weeks off uh, we're not taking it off at all we're going to be working pretty much every single day there's no taking any time off right now but we can't really keep going we've essentially burned out our oil and we don't have enough to and that's the way you're not supposed to do 
And so uh, we're learning that lesson. So we have to get our life in order. We have to get our house up and running. We have to get, you know, my, my wife needs a kitchen of some sort anyway before we can continue to do this because right now our, play, our stuff is in four different places and it's just absolute chaos right now. And it's hard to keep this going when it's, uh, when it's chaos like that. That's not the way to be. We want to live in logos. We want to live in order. And so, um, so there's that. So thank you all to uh, thank you. You guys are beautiful. And uh, we just hope you have a wonderful Merry Christmas and God bless each and every single one of you. And uh, I want to say thanks to uh, Foundering for putting out uh, the, the video for us today. Um, he's, I love Foundering. I would pay him every week if, if I could to, uh, to uh, give it, you know, provide some music. So anyway, um, we're going to listen to, speaking of Foundering, Foundering, we're going to, based Piano Man, as I like to call him, based Piano Man, Foundering, we're going to listen to, it's seriously my favorite Christmas song. It's, it's, it's not even a joke. This is like my favorite Christmas song that's ever been written. And it's called It Will Always Be Christmas Eve. And it was written and recorded by Mr. Foundering. And um, I think he's on Odyssey and some other places like that if you want to find him. So, but it was, it's called It Will Always Be Christmas. And this is a beautiful song. Seriously beautiful song. So anyway, thank you all um, for a wonderful day. Have a wonderful uh, the rest of your week. And, and oh, that's right. We have thank yous. Let me, before we, before, thank you. I'm glad my wife is here because otherwise I'd screw this shit up. After that. What did you send? Telegram? Okay. Oh, okay. Thank, thank you to all the people that have supported. You're really going to uh, help us through the next couple of weeks too because it's, uh, yes, it's going to be very tight, but we can, we can make it happen. Um, Oh, okay. So, John and Leah, thank you, um, our neighbors, John and Leah, by the way. Um, Mr. Haycoop over there and Leah have done uh, it's just a wonderful, they've just been so wonderful to us, and we're just so grateful to meet them. They're just wonderful people. And, you know, we could have moved like a block away and never met these people, but we didn't. We moved where we where we moved, and Gar Christopher Gardner just ends up being down the road, and we're doing work with Permie Bear and the boys, and just, uh, just uh, we just, you know, just, uh, ah, I don't know what to say. I'm about to cry. God's been very good to us. So thank you to John and Leah for being going above and beyond being good neighbors for opening their house to us and our animals. Um, that's okay. And, uh, yeah, we'd be, uh, we'd be in a pretty destitute situation if it wasn't for uh, the wonderful people. So, And she, Jesus, I mean, Leah made waffles this morning. I got fresh waffles from our neighbors this morning. So, And we've been doing laundry and showers and di dinners and lunches and everything. So we thank you. It's, uh, thank you guys so much. So Julie Pradal, we got your card. Thank you so much. Cat Links, we got your letter and uh, your donation. Thank you so much, Cat Links. Bruce Hutton, thank you so much. Mom and Dad, Mike and Deb McNally, uh, thank you so much for the, the card and the package and, and everything like that. And Dad, I hope you uh, liked that song. Ursula, Mom, Jen's Mama, thank you. Um, thank you to um, her Mama. <laughs> Sorry, that, that's all right. You're doing. <laughs> uh, Sabina and Marissa Garcia, thank you so much. Deborah Stilly, thank you so much. Mark Spicard, I got your book. I appreciate that. Flora, thank you so much. Darren Radfelder, Nils Elbaum, Sam O'Halloran, Paul D, Courtney Wojnowski, I think is how you say that. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you. Daniel Hager, always every week, just killing it. Thank you so much. Andrew Sutherland, every week, 10 bucks. Thank you. If I knew then what I know now, I wouldn't be here anyhow. Billy Strings in the morning light. Merry Christmas. Thank you so much. Chance Brew, Chase Brew the Pious over at Interforce podcast and jenny g7 the brew pious from gartonville we love you so much we love thank you we just got your card this morning so thank you so much i also want to say thank you to um 
Uh, Lindsay Chapman, we missed your package yesterday, but hopefully it'll be here today or Tuesday or something like that. So thank you so much. Andrew Mason, once again, Merry Christmas to all of you wonderful people out there. Love you, Marty and Jen. Roland Peter, Interverse Podcast, thank you so much. Alicia Crawford, thank you every week. Thank you so much, Alicia. We really appreciate it. Andrew Mason, another Andrew. Andrew, you just want your name bellowed out. That's what's going on here. I love you, brother. Thank you so much. Here's the next two weeks. Happy New Year. Thank you so much. Small Axe, Merry Christmas. Many thanks to all your good work this year. Looking forward to the Sundays in 2024. 2024 is going to be a banger. We're going to, by the way, we're going to uh, finish Matthew. We're going to get into the book of John. We've got a whole, we're going to do the tarot deck. There's a whole bunch of stuff that we're going to do. Uh, Christina Bangs, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Marty and Jen, looking forward to learning even more in the new year. The Irrational Sage, 33, Illuminati confirmed. Merry Christmas. Jenny G, thank you so much. Eugene Jocks, Eric Colsell, Merry Christmas. Marty Jen, thank you so much. Anna Medina, good to see you. Merry Christmas. Julie Pradal, once again, thank you so much, Julie. Corby Olson, Merry Christmas. Love you folks. Gary Musgrave, Leah Steele, Brian Rose, Lartran Brown, Magical Steven, Merry Christmas, Marty and Jen, thank you so much. Mush Love, thank you. Virginia Dare, Jared Poole, thank you so much, Mr. Jared Poole. Uh, Lifesaver, John Sazorski. Zorts? Oh, my Lord. How do you say that? Zortzis? Zortzis? Is that how you say that? You got to change your last name, brother. How else, how else am I going to say that? Anyway, <laughs> Kevin, Merry Christmas. Your understanding of Gnosticism is refreshing to hear. You have been very influential to me as Marty Leeds. I just began my own YouTube channel about Know Thyself Journey called Reality Within. Thanks for your honest message of hope. No problem. Polly Mathing, 1618, thank you so much. Garrett Rudolph, thank you so much. Ray Brackman, absolutely incredible. Learn something new weekly, thank you so much. Elena Parkinson, Christmas Eve sermon, thank you so much. Ruth Scott, 10 coffees, wow. Merry Christmas, Marty and Jen, and thank you for another year of fantastic work. Thank you so much. If you would like to support, continue to support, I know we're taking a few weeks off, but if you'd like to continue to support uh, any sort of books or, or um, any, any of that sort of thing, does help us along the way while we get our shit together. That's going to be the story of our lives. Jennifer and I getting our shit together. It might not happen. Okay, that's going to do it, guys. And go enjoy your family. And enough of my rambling. And thank you to all the good birds. And thank you to this congregation. We, we, we love you guys so much. All right. Let's listen to some foundering and enjoy the rest of our day, all right? Merry Christmas, everybody. We love you so much. And we will see you just in a few weeks, okay? And hopefully things will be back on track for us. And we'll just be crushing it for the new year. All right. That's going to do it. Um, guys, may you always keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. May his grace be with you all. Amen. All right, let's listen to this beautiful song by Mr. Foundering. All right, we'll see you later. Merry Christmas, everybody. God bless. Well, I thought I'd had enough of all these Christmas songs When the stations start to play them I just turned it off But as I got older Each Christmas got colder Till this year there jingled A song in my heart All is calm on Christmas Eve All is love And holiday cheer In darkest night You're the dawn's early light Your warming rays Bring Christmas Day But for you and me
always be Christmas Eve. Our fire burns bright this Christmas Eve. The candlelight flickers in your eyes. Tomorrow it's true. I've got something for you. But for now, just breathe. Be here with me. And as we lay, I hope it always stays Christmas Let's turn off the lights, dear, so St. Nicholas finds us here with two stockings by the tree by next year. There'll be three. A child is near this Christmas Eve. A star on high by morning arrives A baby born in a world lost and forlorn The angel choir did magnify the memory for you and me of Christmas Eve. Dawn's early light My morning rays Bring Christmas day But for you and me It will always be Christmas Eve 
Allah. 